Welcome to the Lady Preacher Podcast, a podcast for the progressive Christian, where we talk about an all-loving God, an embodied Christ, and an ever-moving spirit. Dive right in as we wrestle with what it means to live out our faith in the world. Hello, my friend. Welcome to the Lady Preacher podcast. I am Reverend Kelsey Beebe, and I am really happy and excited to be here with you today. Before we get started, I want to make sure I announce that we have an Advent devotional that just came out called Praying Through Advent. It is co-written with Reverend Delaney Schlake Cruz. So I encourage you to please go to dancingpastor.org and get yourself one of these devotionals. It's $5. It's a PDF download. It comes to you straight away. You can print it out or just use it on your phone. There's a reflection for six days of the week for the four weeks of Advent. We wanted to save one day as a rest day because we all need those, especially during the holiday season. So again, I encourage you to go to dancingpastor.org and get yourself a $5 Advent devotional called Praying Through Advent. Okay, let's dive in today. Our gospel reading is Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will pit the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, you that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not give me clothing sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you. Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Here ends our reading. My friend, I invite you to please join me in prayer. Beloved and gracious creator, we lift our hearts to you. All the worries and concerns and fears that we may be holding, we lay them at your feet, if just for but a moment. 
We ask that you hold these things in your hands. Care for us, O God, and for our world. Bring us everlasting peace. God, we ask that you open our hearts to hear these words anew, these words from your gospel according to Matthew. May they speak life into us and remind us who is at the center of all of this. May they remind us who we are and whose we are. Open our hearts and our minds and fill our well today, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So my friend, I know I'm not alone in this. I know that we all love categories. We like to separate things. Even, you know, I'm, I look at my bookshelves and I see, okay, I've got my anatomy books over here, dance history over there, history of the church here, Bibles over there, hymnals over there, theology here. We like to categorize things. It makes us feel good. It, it makes it feel like there's some order out of the chaos. And I think that's one of the temptations we get with this particular parable, this particular story, is it can tempt us into wanting to put things into two categories, putting people into two categories. We've got the sheep on the right and the goats on the left, and we get to decide who is a sheep and who is a goat. We walk around, maybe not so much, but you know, we, we try to figure out, am I? a sheep? Are they a sheep? Are they a goat? They are definitely a goat. And so we look at this, but Jesus says in this parable, there's a one particular word I want to point out to you that happens twice. This word is said twice in this parable. And it says, just as you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. Just as you did for one, you did for me. So it's that word, that word one. I know I have done for one person, one of these things. I know I have stopped, you know, on my way onto the freeway or off the freeway when someone's there asking for food or they have a sign that says um, anything helps. Uh, one time I had some fresh strawberries sitting in the passenger seat of my car and, uh, I rolled down my window and I handed the person these fresh strawberries. And I don't know that I've ever seen someone more excited than that moment. So I know I've done for at least one of the least of these. At the same time, Jesus also says, what you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. So here's that word again, what you did not do for one. So what do we do with this? Because I know, I know for a fact that I'm not alone in, in that. I have also not done for one. When I had the opportunity to go and serve in some way, when I could have given the coat off my back, knowing I had another one at home, you know, there are lots of opportunities that I have missed where I did not do for one of these and thus did not do for Christ. So I find myself, I've got a little bit of sheep and a little bit of goat. So what do we, what do we do with this? My friends, this past Sunday is Reign of Christ Sunday. It's when we talk about how Jesus is king. Jesus is ruler. It was started actually at the beginning, um, or excuse me, after World War One, when there was concern about in the church about rise of nationalism and who is it we serve. But for me, you know, this Reign of Christ thing is just that we, we don't serve a a particular nation. We don't serve a particular doctrine. We, 
we serve Christ. And so what does that mean? And that's really connected to this parable. When Christ rules our hearts, it means we have to constantly follow Christ's call and answer the call again and again and again. Jesus knows we're human. Jesus knows we're going to mess up. I mean, he knows even the disciples <laughs> didn't, didn't get it right a lot of the time. So Jesus understands that. Jesus understands that we're going to miss those opportunities to serve in the way we are called to serve. But the thing is, is we have to keep being willing to show up, to keep answering the call, to keep leaving our nets on the shore and following Christ. As a sheep follows a shepherd, we are called to continually answer and answer and answer that call. So what, what is that call? What does it mean to live with Christ as king, to live as if Christ is the ruler of our hearts? And the thing I want to point out here is that in this scripture passage, a lot of people talk about how this is, you know, the end times when Jesus comes and, and judges the living and the dead. And the thing about this passage is that it's not about belief. There isn't a test here about, did you believe in Jesus Christ? Did you proclaim Jesus Christ as your savior and redeemer? It's not about belief, but about how we live. Because being faithful people, being faithful followers of Christ isn't about not having doubt, but about living in a way that is faithful to Christ and Christ's call on our hearts and in the world. So what does this mean? What does it mean to live as if Christ is our king, as if we are his followers? And the answer to that is to love God by loving our neighbor. That is the greatest commandment that Jesus tells us. We love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. So when we find ourselves thinking about what does this mean? What does this mean to follow Christ? It's about looking into our world and saying, who is hungry and feeding them? Who is oppressed and freeing them? Who is naked and giving them clothing? Who is suffering and trying to alleviate that suffering without stopping to ask why they are hungry? Did they do something to make it so that they are living on the street? It's doing these things without stopping and wondering if they even deserve our help, but believing that they deserve it just because they are a child of God. This is a beautiful way to live into the love ethic of Christ because the love ethic of Christ is continually being in service of our neighbor, living in a way that, that requires us to drop everything and follow Jesus. And doing these things, not out of expectation that we'll get some reward eternally. I'm not being a good person because I just desperately want to build up enough points to get into heaven because it doesn't work that way. Paul reminds us of God's grace. Martin Luther reminds us of we get into heaven by the grace of God, not by what we did or did not do. But here's the thing. When we get to those gates, will Jesus recognize us? Because it's, it's not about rejection here, but it's about recognition. I want to bring us back for a moment to that story of the 10 bridesmaids. And they say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus says, I do not recognize you. It's about living in a way as if someone could recognize us as a follower of Christ. 
that old hymn. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Will they know you are a Christian by your love, by the way you act in the world? Will Jesus know you were his follower by the ways that you followed him and his call on your life? Have you ever known someone to be a good person, to live in a sense of integrity and kindness and grace, but then they start going off on a different pathway? They start making choices that don't line up with the good person you knew them to be. And then you might find yourself saying to that person, I don't even recognize you. I don't even know who you are anymore. That's what this is about. Living in such a way that Jesus says, ah, yes, you are a follower of Christ. Or when someone else can look at us and say, ah, yes, you are a follower of Christ. And having that be a good and beautiful thing to recognize. One of the challenging aspects of this parable, though, that I want to point out is is that ending part, that part about eternal punishment. And the word for punishment here, it's not about hell, but it's about the kind of suffering that comes from living a life of fear and a life of scarcity. The only other time this, the Greek word that they use for punishment here, the only other time this is used in a gospel is in reference, not to retributive punishment, but to the suffering experienced by someone who's subject to fear, someone who is not living a life of charity and generosity. Because when we limit our generosity, when we limit our understanding of grace, when we limit our understanding of who is loved or who is not, when we find ourselves trying to be the judge of who is sheep and who is goat, then we are living in fear. And that leads to a certain kind of suffering. As Christians, we believe in the kingdom of God that is both here and not yet, that is both now and to come. And we are called to be a part of that kingdom that is coming. And to live in the kingdom of God is to live in such a way that we participate in this notion that all are welcome, that we participate in this feeding of those who are hungry, that we participate in this clothing those who are naked, that we participate in this visiting those who are in prison. Because that's a little more challenging than giving food to someone who is hungry. But it's participating in this fullness of caring for our neighbor, caring for the lost and the least. It's participating in that grace. That is what it means to live in this kingdom. And that is the eternal life because it's a certain quality of life, not a quantity. It's not about living forever, though we do believe that we go into this eternal life with Christ, but it's about the quality Are we living like we are in the kingdom of God? When we live in the kingdom of God is when we care for those who are least. Because when we are not, we're living in that eternal punishment of not seeing ourselves as connected to the whole, of not caring for others as as if they are our own brother or sister. Because there's a certain suffering that comes with that. And here's the thing, my friends, we are a people of grace. We believe that God sees us through God's eyes, not through our own. I think when we look at ourselves through our own eyes, we tend to judge ourselves and each other far more harshly. 
But as Jesus says, what you do for one of the least of these, you do for me. That, my friends, is grace. That is grace. But we are what we are called to do in this moment, in our life now, is to respond to that grace by extending it to other people. Living as if Christ reigns our hearts means it affects every aspect of our day. It means when we see that person standing on the side of the freeway, even if we have nothing to give them, we at least smile and wave and make eye contact with them. At least recognize that they're a human being. They don't just need food and sustenance. They need love and care. My friend Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a lot about this concept of grace, and he talked about cheap grace versus costly grace. Cheap grace is the kind of grace that doesn't require anything of us. But costly grace is the kind of grace that comes with Christ. Costly grace is what calls us into a new way of being. Costly grace is what it means to be faithful in response to the free grace given by God. And he says it's costly because it'll cost you your life, but it will give you the only true life. And that only true life is that life of abundance we were talking about. It's costly because it's challenging, my friends. It means that when we're with a group of people who are talking poorly of someone else who's not in the room, or maybe who even is in the room, the costly type of grace, that faithfulness is being willing to say, hey, that's not okay. It's being willing to respond out of love and goodness so that when we get to the end of our life and we meet Jesus, he can say, I recognize you. I recognize you. Or tomorrow, when you're walking around, someone could say, I recognize Christ in you. This, my friends, is what it means to live that life of grace and abundance, ruled not by fear, because perfect love casts out fear. It's living not in fear, but in love and grace and abundance. Amen. My friend, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so grateful for you. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. The Lady Preacher podcast is part of a nonprofit called Dancing Pastor Ministries. And you can find us online at dancingpastor.org or join the community by finding us on Facebook at Dancing Pastor Ministries. If you would like to be a part of supporting this podcast, there are many ways you can do that without giving monetarily. You can share our posts on social media, send an episode to a friend, or just leave a review. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so at dancingpastor.org slash give. My friend, you are a gift. Thank you for being here and God bless.